Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders and Milsonda for the Accidental Aliens. And we are wiped out. We are wiped out because we've been working at a convention. And we are now in the same room. We are in my studio because the convention was in my backyard, my almost backyard, of Ontario, California. We did Comic-Con Revolution, an Ontario show. Again, we're on a little bit of a buffer here. The buffer is expanding for now, but... It was the weekend before Christmas, so whenever this airs, just know that the podcast, uh, we're recording this on a Sunday, uh, the weekend before Christmas. We had this show. It was a good show. It had its ups and downs, but one thing that we can both attest to is we are just beat. We are tired, and uh, yeah, we're not so great with words at the moment. So what we're going to do is we, we kind of have, instead of talking about what we did this week... We're going to talk about the show, and one of the things that we think, when we were just chopping it up a little bit about what this episode was going to be, we feel like a lot of these things fall into the scope of selling, and uh, selling at a show, presenting yourself at a show, etc. But that's not the main topic, because then we have a main topic where we talk a little bit about planning ahead. Is that plan? Yeah. <laughs> that's how you know I was wiped, because I thought of this this... This topic, and and you asked me, and I didn't know. I didn't yeah, know he's answer. basically he's basically like a forty five degree angle into my chair, which is a little shitty because you have to drive home after this. Yeah. So I don't know. We we got to get you. We got to get you nuked up on some coffee or something so you can stay up till four in the morning. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is actually the start. This is the first episode of the new year. It is. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of crazy. Should we do our year end list now? <laughs> yeah, just, let's 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 we're doing it. We're Benjamin buttoning it. Yeah, we're exactly. gonna go in reverse. We're gonna go in reverse. We're gonna we're gonna just have our year favorites for the for the one day that it's been or a couple days it's been. So why don't you start? I mean, you technically go first, so go wherever you'd like to go with the show, and then I'll add on. Um, my first impression of the show: I've never done Comic Con Revolution before. The first day was rough as hell. Um, it had me questioning my life choices, and then by the end of End of the day, everything was a-okay. Everything yeah. was fine. Yeah. So uh, if you're listening and you attend comic conventions as a, you know, a vendor or as an exhibitor, uh, you know those days. Some days you'll have shows that go off without a hitch. You have a nice flow of traffic as the day goes on and throughout. And you just have a nice solid day. Um, there's other days like, like I had on Saturday where it was like there was nothing going on for like four or five hours. Like a little bit here and there. And, uh, and then out of nowhere, we just get this rush right towards the end. And it's like, hey, the day ended up fine. Like, total-wise, I think if you've done conventions, you kind of know what you're going to do in a day, more or less, right? You have this general idea of what you're going to make that day. I ended up there. The problem was the day just didn't flow well. And it was just... It was a bad... It was bad vibes going around in the, in the first day, like, for me, on my end. And um, um, uh, thankfully, that first day turned around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a point pretty late in the day, like what two o'clock, where you were, you're you're known to be quoted in a text that you wanted to shoot yourself in the face. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, it was like it was like he kind of spoke it aloud, and then 
the the gods answered. Yeah, you know what is it? it Reverse had, spoke it into existence. It was it was like the MJ. It was like the you know set your expectations low and you can never be disappointed. Almost right. So, yeah. Yeah. You were you were you were hurting. I mean, I I I was doing a little bit better, but mine was just you know the tortoise. And, uh, and yeah, you just, it was weird. It was weird the way it worked, but man, you had such a strong finish to that first day. Yeah. And then I guess I'll pick it up a little bit from what the second day was like, which was we had, we had ended up pretty okay for the first day and it was only a two day show. And we, we just had a vibe, I think based on some rumors, uh, that Sunday was going to be the better day. Um, I think the convention did some sort of Groupon or something like that which made it much more likely that Sunday was going to be a good day. And damn it, if they weren't right, Sunday was a better day. Yep. Um, and, and, but not only was Sunday intrinsically a better day, we made it a better day by cracking open beers at about 11. Yeah. yeah. So right now, we're not drinking beer. We already had two beers today. So we're calling it quits. I got to drive back to San Diego after this. So as of right now, I'm sipping on a Canada Dry sugar-free. And that's uh, going to go really well with... Uh, a uh, longtime contributor to the podcast, uh, Gary Hodges. He so I picked up uh, D versus M. He had this recent alternate cover he did, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I put something extra in there." And damned if it wasn't two bags of packy chips, and these are his favorite chips. And so one is a haunted ghost pepper, which Keith will not touch, and uh, I'm excited to try, honestly. And then Fury Chili Limon. And so I'm sure Keith will partake in those. Uh, apparently these are still super hot. I'm, I'm fucking terrified of both of them. Yeah, I mean, the less hot one. What, what is that one? Like anus flamer? What, what, what is that? There, there are these, there are these like, they're like, uh, you know, the hazmat placards that come on the back of a truck. They have these, these things in the top right corner. And one says freaking hot. And one says super hot. So I might have like a quarter of one of okay. the super hot. Okay. Just so you know. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what we drank the, uh, earlier today? Like, it's been so yeah. long. Oh, and then, boy. honestly, there were mostly your beers. Like, yeah. I had the um, uh, Ube Wan, oh, which yeah, you we had talked about on the pod before. What was yeah. my other one? Let me think. So, the, the second beers were that you had an Ube Wan, and then I had, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was another one of those hazy IPAs from Anchorage. And it was quite good, but I didn't pay much attention to what it was. And then the other one I had, again, I don't remember what it was, but it was like a Nordic ale that had elements of, what was it, like rye bread? And no, it was pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. And, yeah. and something else. It was quite good. It was hearty. And mm. what was the, oh, you had the, the Choco Vesa. chocolate yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had a stone Choco Vesa, which is a Mexican hot chocolate stout. That's yeah. what it is. I enjoyed it. It was really good. I could only do one. That wouldn't be one where you're like, that was so good, I want another. Like, I couldn't see anyone having more than one of those beers. It was yeah. it was solid. But yeah. One at a time. It's fine. Totally. Totally. All right. I want to bust these. I want to get this out of the way right now. So Go I'm for gonna, it. Okay. So we're going to start off with the Packy uh, Fiery Chili Limon. Okay. All right. Got this bag open. It, they kind of look like Doritos. I fucking hate that this thing is called Fiery Chili Limon. I can only eat half of this, man. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, it's nice. I like it. You really get that that limon flavor there. Um, it's definitely spicy. It kind of creeps up on you, but very quickly. So, the initial bite, it's like, oh, this isn't bad. You just kind of get that lemon flavor, that chili lemon. 
and then the the heat comes almost right away. So I enjoy this. This is actually pretty good. Yeah, my my line would be, I believe it's Ralph Wiggum one time when he eats uh, Homer's chili and he says, "Tastes like burning." <laughs> so, so that's how I feel. So look, you bust that one open. I now have to go eat a caramel to get this the hell out. Okay. And then when I come back, you can just start talking about something else about, else about the convention. Yeah. Right. So taste test that. Okay. Back. So this one is the Packy Haunted Ghost Pepper. And this one is freaking hot. So we'll see how this goes. <coughs> wow. I inhaled... <coughs> excuse me. Wow. I inhaled some of the dust on it. And it's making me choke. The flavor is okay. Like, I actually like the chili limon one better. Um, this kind of has a dry taste to it. There's not a lot of flavor flavor. But there's heat right away. Yeah, it, it comes on super quick. Um, but I, don't, I enjoy it. It's good. We'll see how this progresses. I don't know if this is going to continue to get hotter as time goes on. But I'm going to have another one. <coughs> I did it again. <coughs> I inhaled the dust. The dust. It's ghost peppers shooting down my throat. Um, it's solid. I'm eating a caramel to drown out the burning right now. Mm. All right, and you choked on it. You choked on it. And I have a third one. You actually didn't inhale that time. Yeah. I learned my lesson on the first two because I did the same thing on the first two. Rock on. Um, day two, way more consistent throughout the day. Um, you got to sell here. You got to sell there. You know, you sell, you talk, you sell, you talk. And that's what I like. And those are the types of days. Those are the type of conventions that I really do enjoy. Um, the attendance for this convention wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of people there. No one was walking around with bags, prints, anything. And then towards the end of the day, I guess that's when they decided, hey, we're actually going to buy things. You know, why not? And it's a smaller convention. The hall that we were in, honestly, it was almost all artists. Like, it was a group of artists with some um, retailers on the right side. Like, as soon as you walk in, that's where the retailer section is. It was sort of what I expected, you know. I think this is the second show I've done in the nine years I've done shows that was really close to Christmas. And they can swing either way. This one, the one that I did before, whenever it was, it was actually quite a good show. This one, however, people were walking around with like a few comic books in their hands. So, I mean, that's always great. You know, it's always interesting and wonderful to show that, you know, see people out there that are buying some comics. But you can also see that they were buying one comic here, one comic there, um, and then going from there. So, you know, again, there, there, was, there was a lot of purchasing, but I think those purchases were light. And I think that's very to be expected couple days before Christmas. Yeah. You know, like I, I used the line when I did a couple shows uh, three, four weeks ago there, I had people come to my table and say, oh, this will make a cool gift for my dad. This will make a cool gift for my friend. None of that this time. And uh, I can I can sort of, that, make, that, that makes sense to me because my Christmas shopping is done, just like most people's are, you know? So I think because of that, you see that effect there. So anyway, it was, it was fine. We cut ourselves off a little bit before in that we were buzzed pretty good. <laughs> from 11.30 to about 1.30, and we were sort of idiots. Uh, it was kind of great. Like, I, I found myself stumbling over my own words. Um, Scott, in one part, described my book as, uh, there's this super weapon, Kadoja, you know, that that's a uh, you know, bioweapon gone wrong. And uh, and then at some point, other Kadojas come up out of the ground. 
and then fights ensue and it's like so other giant monsters come up out of the ground but it is not other kadojas but yeah you were you were just and then you did it again and i was like all right man yeah it's yeah i was in it, it, it i was in it i was in it to win it, it and, the, and they were buying what i was selling they were. They were like, wait, you're saying other Kadojas come up out of the ground? This yeah. sounds incredible. Yeah, you bet your bottom dollar. Yeah, they're, they're just going to be like, uh, then they're going to go home and take the book and like, the fuck, man? This is this was misadvertised. Yeah, there's only one Kadoja in here. Damn it. Damn it. A couple of people said that they were buying for gifts. Oh. But, but not a lot. It was, it was literally two people. They were like, oh, these are, for our, uh, these are for my son. We were trying to figure out the extra things to get him. So it sounded like they got most of it done, but it was just some extra stuff, um, which was cool. And uh, I got to run into some friends there. Uh, Comic Kyrie, I've known her like forever on, you know, like Instagram where like we've met each other at a few shows, talked at a few shows. So it was cool seeing her. I hadn't seen her in a long time. Uh, a bunch of other people uh, that that are local artists from San Diego and L.A. It's like uh, I saw the Sketchy Bug group. They're basically like the accidental aliens, but in L.A. And uh, so it was cool to stop by their booth, talk to them, you know, talk to Don and Mike and uh, just chop it up, you know. One of the other aliens there, Vince. Vince was there, so it was cool. Or and Death. Death was there, but yeah. he was there casually. He was yes. hanging out, picking up a couple of things. You got to meet Chris Claremont, and uh, yeah, so a lot of fun stuff. And and uh, I enjoyed it. This was my first and last show of uh, 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it in under the wire. You started it like you ended it. Yeah, you did one show. Um, all right. So I think because of that, we were we were chopping it up, Scott and I throughout the weekend about some things we're like ah yeah let's talk about this let's talk about that and so we wanted to bring up a few things that we think can help either now or down the road depending on when you're tabling how you're tabling um maybe you've heard these things before and therefore it doesn't hurt to hear them again maybe this is the first time but but regardless we we don't mind talking about it a little bit here so the first one is and we could probably look this up to confirm but when people are going by your table, because, you know, Scott and I are not only people who sell comic books, we are people who buy comic books. And we like to walk Artist Alley and anywhere and, you know, have people tell us about their books. Like, I buy other people's books all the time. So something that, that we see is, is people do what's called an elevator pitch. So I think times vary depending on what people think of as an elevator pitch. But if I remember the old elevator pitch, the concept is what your book is about in 10 seconds or less. Mm. Some people might say 30 seconds, but again, I would I would challenge, like, what elevator ride have you ever been on that's 30 seconds? I've been to some bad hotels. <laughs> <laughs> like freight elevator, sure, right. but it's not called the freight elevator pitch. Yeah. You know, uh, so... And again, I'm just going back to like elevator pitch is a very commonly used term now. Right. Yeah. Much like anything, you have these things that start as like industry jargon and then they work their way out to everybody. And I remember when elevator pitch was a semi new term maybe 20, 25 years ago. It's pretty commonplace now, but I think as a result, the original meaning, you know, again, as, as I understand it, and this is our podcast, so we're going to go with that. It's supposed to be 10 seconds. So if you're taking more than 10 seconds, that's not great. And if you're taking much more than 10, much you know, much less 30, even if you want to have the liberal definition of an elevator ride, um, that, that can be harmful because you're supposed to condense it. And ideally, you want to condense it as much as possible. You know, what were we talking about before? Your, pitch, your elevator pitch is three words. Yeah. Yeah, it's a minimum wage superheroes. 
That's it. That's the, second, that's the second shift. Yeah. And then Wanders of Melisanda is anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans. Yeah. And I mean, depending on how you uh, how you do single single letters as words, giant monsters meet H.P. Lovecraft is the Kadoja pitch. And those are those are three to six seconds. Yeah. At the most to say all of our pitches. Yeah. If you wanted to like, yeah, all of the pitches exactly. And then yeah. And then you you think about three protectors. That's science fiction kung fu. Boom, we're good. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, are there interesting angles that you could do if you want to go a little bit longer? But my personal thing I like to think of is the newspaper headline idea. Have your elevator pitch be a really nice, brief newspaper headline. If they're still looking at you like, I'd like to hear more, then you can give more. But yeah. at least you you did a nice, quick introductory thing. You gave them a high level of everything to expect. And now you can dig deeper if you want. Yeah. You know, we, we were at a show for two days. So we got to hear a lot of people's pitches, um, you know, just casually if we're walking by or something like that, maybe someone nearby. And it's just like those are those long, you know, we're, we're hearing legit one minute pitches and uh, that's not an elevator pitch. You need to be able to get in and out very quickly. And that's something that comes with time. Like I, I know for me, it's something it took me a little bit to refine when it came to second shift specifically, but Wanderers kind of like that just wrote itself it's just like yeah that's what that's what it is like you know if you just want to simplify it, yeah that's what it is yeah and, and it sounds interesting enough you know like you want your elevator pitch to be quick but you also want to make it sound interesting exactly exactly and i wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know science fiction kung fu gets better once i actually have to sell it to people it shows it hasn't come out yet it's a couple months away we all know what it is but as i get closer yeah, maybe maybe that refines itself a little bit Something else we wanted to talk about, and we might have other things as we weave around here. And we've uh, we've had this conversation before, and I don't think it was just us and just Gary. I think it was maybe a couple of our guests, but it's a kind of conversation we have a lot anyway. It's about how sometimes when you go to a show and the foot traffic is light, you can just start to feel the little bits of desperation creep into people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I made a comment on a past podcast about how I walked an artist alley late in a convention and I felt a whole bunch of eyes come on me. Right. And it's just a whole bunch of people looking at you like a slab of meat. It's like really weird, you know? So yeah. <laughs> there, there's nothing wrong with reading people. I have my own personal rules on when to engage someone. Different people may have different rules on how to engage, but immediate staring and locking down. I don't know what manual that's from. That's maybe maybe not maybe not the best idea. It's definitely not something in my ethos. And because when you're a fan, like I was, and you just turn down an aisle and like everybody seems to give you attention, it's it's just strange and you it's unsettling. It. You can 100% yeah. feel it. And you can feel if you're doing it. It's like, like, that was something I did in the early years when I was tabling. You know, in the first couple of years, it was just that, that desperateness for the sale. Like, you see the person, like you're saying, it's a slab of meat. Now I'm just, I'm so chill at shows. It's like, if they're going to come by, you know, if they make some eye contact or if they look at my, my table and I see them stare for more than a couple of seconds, that means like for me, that's, that's my, that's my cue. It's like, if it's more than a couple of seconds, you're looking at something that you might be interested in. And then, so that's when I'll engage you. Be like, Hey, how you doing? Just yeah. like real casual, you know, and like whatever. And if they go hi and, and they stop and they stay then you can go into your pitch or like, hey, or, you know, like be casual about things. Are you into comics? Are you looking at art? Like, hey, what are you doing at the show today? Mm -hmm. Just be chill about it. Like, Act like you're having a conversation and not setting them up 
to just buy my books, buy my books, buy exactly. my books. Exactly. Like, and that's the thing too. You can talk about things other than selling a person a book. Again, when Scott and I were talking about this at the table over the weekend, I said, hey, you know what, what I'm reminded of is when I did sales back in my 20s, my boss gave me this cool quote when he was talking to us. And just so you know, it was sales for like a comic distributor. There used to be two comic distributors. I was with the other one. And so I would go to retailers, stores, you know, I mean, I had a rotation of like a couple hundred although not all of them were in-person visits. And then we'd go talk about like what was doing well, what wasn't, anything they're interested in, just real casual, real chill. And he used the phrase, which again, I think it's a pretty decently known phrase. It takes an average. Now he may have given a different number, so I've just turned it into this, but it takes an average of 10 impressions to go from non-buy to buy. I think the answer might be 19. It's either 10 or 19, but let's just mm. stick with 10 because yeah. I think that's more fair at a comic convention. Right. Because people are predisposed, right? You're not... You're not cold calling vacuum cleaners here. You are in a place selling things and people have bought tickets that want to buy those things. So let's just go with 10 as our rule. If it takes an average, so a couple things there. Number one is the word average. It takes an average of 10 impressions, okay? That means some people might only need a few and some people might need 20. You just have no idea how this works. So what is an impression? An impression can be anything. An impression can be you simply getting their attention with a quick hello when they walk by. It can be them looking at your table. So if someone walks by your table five times, that's five impressions. You make an impression every single time. So back to this, it takes an average of 10 impressions to go from non-buy to buy. There's one other element to that that's important to keep in mind, which is what we saw a little bit over this convention, especially as it gets later in the day, uh, and people feel like they got to make more or make that final sale or whatever, they try harder. And what they're looking for is a person who is going to buy their book on one impression. They are going to walk up to this table or buy their prints or something, right? They're going to walk up to this table that they never knew anything about before, and they are going to love what's going on so much that they're immediately want going to want to purchase it. Look, some people do this. And that's fine. Like, yay, you did a great job and you have something people want and now they're buying it. But don't undersell, I guess, the value of just giving people a good impression so they come back next time. You know what I mean? Like people do have the right to return to your table in an hour, in a day, in a year, in four. Somebody just did this at Emerald City. They said something like, yeah, I've seen you here all these years. I've always meant to check you out. Huh. Okay. And then they bought they bought something. They bought like a graphic novel. And it's like they've they've walked by my booth, you know, maybe two, three times a year, maybe more for multiple years, you know. So we're talking about ten plus impressions over four plus years. That's what it takes sometimes, you know? So don't be afraid of the long game. This is a long game. And also just treat people like humans. Um I think I think instead of treating them like the slab of meat that it's like oh, this lab of meat has dollars sticking out of it. Just treat them like people. Just have a conversation. Just be cool. Be light. Be easy. Um, and, and a lot of times, that's that'll be helpful if you want to make that sell in the first impression. Just, you know, talk to them about whatever. And that helps a lot, you know. And, um, um, yeah, there, there was a lot of instances where that wasn't going on. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, another strange thing about this show, um, I know we're on, on 
topic on something right now, but there was like a lot of empty tables. Yeah. And and that can also affect your convention. So it's just like we did our best. We had someone that didn't show up next to us. So I uh, eagerly leaked over onto the second table. I just uh, spread out my art prints. I'm like, you know what? This will be easy enough to pick up and move once they show up. They never did. So yeah, life was better that way. So um, that's also a factor. But going back to the impression thing, you're right on exactly right. You know, you're not going to always get that hey, how you doing? And then you sell them on the book and, and they buy everything and they leave. It happens. It happens a lot, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always happen. Yeah. So, and as the day goes on, don't get more desperate for it because I think people can sense that as well. And that's not an attractive perfume. Something else to remember here, like like Scott just said, like treat them like people. You know what else you can do? You can treat this show like you're actually having a good time. Yes. And even better, you can actually have a good time. You have the right to have a good time. If you're an artist, if you're uh, creating a comic, whatever you're doing, this is something you're sharing with the world. Like, you get to be excited about that. And that sort of enthusiasm is contagious. So, by all means, like, like enjoy engaging with other people. That That's what this is about, too. Yep, you know, absolutely. like, and... and Yes, there is a business reason for all this, but that doesn't mean you have to approach it from a business angle. Mm-hmm. You know, approach it as one person who likes to talk to other people. And if you're and if you're tabling at a show, you need to like to talk to other people. It's pretty important. Not not that we haven't seen our share of antisocial people that sit there and, you know, do whatever they're going to do and that's fine. It's not easy to engage with people. Right. But who said life is easy sometimes? Yeah. And at that point, your your work better be uh, beyond reproach, right? Like you you will be able to just that you do not have to have a conversation. You don't have to say one word. They see your art, they love it, they buy it. It's going to be a little bit harder for you to sell your book if you're unwilling to talk to people. And it's a it's an unfortunate thing because there are a fair share of artists and creators who are are introverts and they do not like having conversations. A lot of times, they those people won't go to your shows. But that affects your sales of your books. If you're not doing conventions trying to sell your book, it's going to be harder for that book to take off. Yeah. There, there's Again, there's nothing wrong with having fun. Having fun is free. And again, if you're here talking to people and, you know, just talking about whatever, just you, just have some fun. Yeah. This, this is a story I mentioned on the podcast way back when. So the very first convention I ever did was San Diego Comic Fest. And I was tabling next to a guy who chased someone basically away from his table. A girl came up and she beelined straight for him. For whatever reason, she wanted to go see him. And she was so enthusiastic and excited to talk to him. And she said, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? He goes, well, it'd be better if I had a sale. And she left. She goes, oh, sorry to hear that. And she walked away. Because... He was so focused on making the sale or the lack of sales that he hadn't made yet that he chased away a customer who really wanted to give him money. Yeah. And just his attitude completely turned her off and she was like, oh, never mind. You draw these cute, happy, fun-looking things, but you are not a cute, happy, fun person. We're talking about selling. But we're also talking about selling without selling. Isn't there some, I think there might be some, the the art of selling without selling, you know, and 
yes, this podcast is about making comics, but you can't ignore this part of making comics. You know, I mean, look, if you're out there to make comics for your own enjoyment, an audience of one, I highly encourage that. You know, we we <laughs> we do look. You're telling me I don't do shit for an audience of one? I got I got stacks of records right here that I listen to for an audience of one. They're here for me. Yeah. You know, I I do like little arts and crafts projects all the time. You know, I got uh, this thing right here, right? This is like a vinyl toy that I painted. Well, technically with my, you know, my kid did one and I did one. It's a fun little thing. You do that for yourself. I get it. Right. But in general, if we're talking about making comics in the context of this podcast, you probably want that comic to, in fact, be sold and then for something to happen and you share your story with the world and go from there. So because of that, selling is important. It, it's something that, you know, hopefully you're comfortable doing. Um, and if not, maybe these couple things uh, have helped. Yeah. And, and if you are not comfortable doing it, I hope you have friends that are willing to sell your book or, uh, you know, maybe your, your significant other can, you know, go with you to shows and you can be the recluse just drawing or whatever and not really having to talk to people, um, you know, if, if that's the possibility for you. So I don't know, like you got to get the books out there one way or another. Uh, maybe the other option, if you're too afraid of crowds, is online. Maybe you're a digital artist. Maybe you release your books strictly digitally and online and available to that audience. And there's a giant audience for that. So there's nothing wrong with it. That's the route you can choose. But also, you're going to have to work at that as well. Yeah. So it's easier to do it in person because you get to sell someone on the book, the story, the idea. When you talk to someone about your story, if it's your story and you love your story, you're going to do it with some enthusiasm. You're not going to give a ho-hum pitch on your own book. So that doesn't always translate online. Like you might not have the ability ability to do that. You know, if you do it, if you do, excellent. That's great. And uh, if you don't, you're going to need to read up. You know, look look up some articles or something about social media and, uh, you know, doing outreaches on social media and how you can get your name out there. That's not my expertise. I don't think it's yours either, Keith. So we're me and Keith, we're a little more personable. We we like doing conventions. We like being there in person and uh, we like talking to people. So um, and that's another reason why we have a podcast where we talk about making comics. So with that. Let's go to the main topic of this episode. Scott, I'll let you take it away a little bit because it was your idea. And then it, this much like some of the other topics we've had, this is going to be a bit more of a free form discussion that we think will lead somewhere as opposed to something where we have like, a, you know, there are times when I've had a checklist of two, three things I wanted to talk about. This is not one of those times. <laughs> this is going to be a free flowing conversation. So what was your, what was your idea for the topic? So uh, I shot a text over to Keith and my idea was planning ahead. So there's certain series, uh, Keith, he had a plan for Kadoja. It's, he knew it was going to be four volumes, four story arcs, right? And uh, you knew how it was going to start. Did you always know how it was going to end? So, okay. I had a general idea how it was going to end. And much like anything, vol well, first of all, four volumes came about. Here, here was the grand design that we had for four volumes. When Rory was working on volume one, he, was, he said, do we have an end in mind for this? And I saw the, the note and I'm like, sure. <laughs> I know, I never really thought about it. I never really considered it until then. But when he said, do you have an end for this in mind? I was like, oh, I mean, I think in the back of my mind, I do. I do have an idea. He's like, how long do you think it's going to go? 
five volumes? I don't know. You know, I wasn't sure. And so it started as five, got to four because I realized there was fluff. One of the one of the arcs just didn't didn't really do anything in as in terms of grand design. And you know, things are very granular in the near term. When they get out way in the distance, you're like, and then all the birds disappear. And that's the answer. Like that that's volume four, you know, whatever it's going to be. Like it was a one sentence description not involving birds of Kadoja volume four. <laughs> So I generally knew wh- what it was going to do. How about you for second shift? Like you don't have an end in mind for this, right? Um, second shift for me has always been a story that will not necessarily ever end. Like I like that it can just keep going. If there comes a point where I do end the series, it will be something along the lines of like, and then they kept being superheroes. But there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a major story arc which will end the story, end me drawing the story. Um, but in my mind, these characters will always go on. Yeah. Uh, Wanders of Melisanda has a definite ending. Um, I thought of the beginning and I thought of the ending right away. And, and I knew exactly how that was going to play out. I know exactly how the last issue is going to play out. Uh, it's the planning ahead that helps because you're like okay i have point a and i have z now i just have to get everything in between and just as an artist it's okay i'm gonna need to talk to ed about this this isn't that's not my expertise there's there's certain things that i know that i want to happen in between but that's when you make your your story skeleton you know it's just like okay like we have one for second shift we have the first 30 issues planned out so it's like we know it's going to go on you know we're, we're planned ahead we know exactly the story arc of these characters the the highs the lows that they're going to go through and exactly when they're going through them um it helps build build the story build, helps build the world and it helps build the characters and the drama within those stories um and so wanderers that's something that needs to be nailed down more but knowing that i have an end in mind that definitely helps and it goes okay now it's plug and play we need to put these we need to have these checkpoints throughout the story where these big events happen and then you move to the next story arc. So what's going to happen in between? You know, it's just like, oh, you know, the, these adventures take place. You know, this can take place here. It just fits like a, you know, a puzzle. Mm-hmm. No, that that makes a lot of sense. I know for me, my skeleton for volume four is already written. And, and this probably isn't the time to talk about this. Maybe this is a future podcast episode that's already changing because I had a better idea when I was writing out volume one. Cause I mean, the skeleton is a skeleton. It's, it's a one line description of every scene in the book, basically maybe two, maybe, maybe one to three sentences on what happens in every scene that's important. And then you blow out the scene from there, but along the way you can change your mind. And once I got the first, actually as it happened, it was the first scene in volume four where I was like, oh yeah, this is going to change stuff. And then I got to the second scene and thanks to a back and forth with Will and I, he was like, he asked a question. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. And it was a simple answer I gave. It wasn't that involved. But then the answer made me realize, wait a minute, there's something cool that I am totally ignoring here that I can put in. And by putting that something cool in, it's going to change many scenes and an entire thread of volume four. You get to plan ahead. But that's the best part about the big beats and the smaller beats. The big beats are going to be there, and then you can weave the story through the smaller stuff as well. Right. Which kind of gets into, I think, you gave an example before about this, that 
planning ahead starts high and then we're going to continue to drill down, right? So that's at the arc level. And then I think you were saying it goes down to the issue level, right? In terms of planning out the action beats, etc. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. The scene, the first scene in volume four that I'm talking about, yes, is the scene where I had initially wrote it where there was action going on. There's a giant monster attack. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. And there's action going on with characters in that scene. The original draft of the scene had those characters speaking dialogue. And when I went back and read it, I decided it's okay, I guess. But why do I need to have the dialogue doing the same thing that the action is doing? Right. So let's do something different. This is what the comic form is amazing at. Anything that uses sound and, or, you know, speech and pictures is going to allow you to do this. I just had an entirely different conversation happening now as like overlay between two other people. And then ideally you can follow both of those things really well and it it builds both ways. So again, right. comics aren't the only medium that allows that, but they're one of them. And, uh, and that was the choice I made. Yeah, that's a very manga esque uh, anime uh, anime esque thing you know you you get this fight scene and there's someone else talking over the top of it and the uh, uh, the narration of the dialogue it, it kind of describes what's going on in the action or inside the character's head but they're talking about something completely different so so that's something that's very cool and so another another thing you were, you were talking uh, it clicked in my brain was when you, when you have these characters and you've refined them as much as you have throughout your story, this is something we've also talked about on the podcast, you know, knowing your characters so much, you know what kind of chips they have or their favorite chips are, right? When you, when you plan ahead and you come across these things where something takes place, this is where your characters are alive. Like you'll hear writers sometimes go, oh yeah, you know, well the characters dictate what happens. And when I was younger, I thought that was a load of bullshit. I thought they were just trying to sound cool. But I understand now. The more you do uh, uh, books or, or comics, whatever the case is, the more you spend time with these characters, they do become alive. And they have a habit of dictating what can happen in the story. So you may have had an initial plan, something you plan for, and you go, wait, but the character probably wouldn't do that. And it changes what happens. And not necessarily the giant beats, but like like Keith was saying, those smaller beats, those can be changed, those can be worked around, and you might come up with something completely interesting and that you hadn't thought of before. The more I'm listening to Scott talk and the more we're talking, the more I'm almost ready to recommend as a model the thing that I've talked about before where what really opened up my novel to me on let's just go with my second draft, I think was that I viewed that novel as a video game. A world of a video game that had these key plot beats out there. It was just a matter of the characters finding them. For whatever reason, there are multiple ways to think about that, but I think that's a great way to think about it because planning ahead involves the big arc, the, the large signposts along the way, and then the small actions that lead from one large signpost to another. And your challenge as a creator is to have all that stuff happen in a way that seems organic. And interesting. And interesting. More important. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Exactly. So to do all that, it's rewarding. And more importantly, again, this gets into indie comics. I just had this conversation with somebody over the weekend 
I think it was death. Do you find the length of a comic limiting when you set it for yourself? Because we all know what the standard length for a comic is. It's 22 to 24 pages. I think the industry standard is 22 from back in the day. Yeah. But 22 isn't a very publisher-ready thing because you have to go in multiples of four to print out the book. Generally, I think 22 was done so that you could have ads, maybe either two pages or six pages, right. and then you uh, go from there. Corporate comics, now it's it's 20. Okay, so yeah. it's 20. Yeah, they've cut it by two pages. Yeah, okay. So, But we're indie, so we get to do what we want. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, the way I answer the question is that I do have all of my issues be 22 pages as a starter. Because you you not only have two pages of slack in there, because you're not selling ads, most likely. So 22 can become 24, and now you have your story. And more importantly, you can just do more. I think it's Kadoja, Kadoja Volume 2, the final issue... I think it's a 36-page issue. Like, I was all over the place on Kadoja Volume 2. I had a 22, I think a 28, then a 24, and then a 36, you know? It, but it, you get to do what you want. That's right. the best part. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, in a lot of ways, this comes back to just the story itself. If you think of more pages, then put more pages in as long as it makes sense. Right. Like, planning ahead is good, but we don't want planning ahead to be this rigid structure. Where, you know, like there's this old, um, I think it's a Greek myth. And it's a, it's this idea of the thing called the Procrustean bed. And um, I might butcher this, but there was a person, I think his name was Procrustes or something. And he basically walked around saying he could get anyone to fit on his bed. And he walked around with like a five foot long bed or something like that. And somebody said, I'm, I'm six foot whatever. I, I won't fit on your bed. And he chopped his legs off. Now you fit. You know, and, and what you, the idea there is, in, in the Greek philosopher terms, you don't want your logic to be that, you know, and I think you also don't want your story to be that. You don't want the structure of your story to be something that the story itself is a slave to, just like you don't want your logic to be so firm that you make other things fit the logic instead of making logic fit the life. Right. What's that phrase, uh... Uh, cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. cut off somebody's arms because they're over six feet if you're a Greek myth. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's in some dialogue by a philosopher, but, you know, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> I think we got those those correct. I think those were all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what else did you want to talk about in terms of planning ahead? Was that the main thing? I think, was there a story element similar to what Gary had talked about in terms of where to put some action beats, some visual beats anything like along those lines no i was thinking more of a story arc situation so i think we covered it for the majority it's just something that's it's just good planning it's it's a good idea to do um when you're doing it issue to issue it's not something that you can do long term if you're doing short stories then fine no problem so like wanders for instance the first uh 12 pages of wanders number one those are two short stories but i also knew that it was one connective story going on because those the first story arc was in the accidental alien anthology 2017 the second one 2018 and so i was doing those six page increments but i was like you know what i i already have 12 pages i just want to go launch into my series now i don't want to do this i doesn't i don't want this series to just be a series of short stories like that's not what this is this is this is one tale and i want to get it done and i'm going to do that in issue form yeah, that, that's that's majority of, of what I wanted to cover, and I think we we did that. 
So we've really reached the end of the, the making comics portion, and we're just going to catch up a little bit on some stuff we did. So you said you want to talk a little bit first about... Yeah, so th this is kind of going back to the convention. I have a habit of not eating. Uh, I'll have, a, you know, some, some mixed nuts or something like that, some berries, whatever. Uh, something very small throughout the day. And then when we leave, that's the first meal I really eat. It was, it was great going to some local spots Keith recommended. Uh, the first place being uh, uh, Chino's version of Culver's. And that was Farmer Boy, right? Farmer Boy's, yeah. Again, Farmer I, don't, Boys. I don't know how big of a chain it is. It's pretty common around here in the IE. I think it also exists in Orange County. I thought they like advertise versus Clipper games or Laker games or Dodger games or something. So, okay. I mean, they're definitely LA chain. Well, I couldn't, if someone advertised on Clippers for number one, I don't watch them. But two, if they did, if you said, Hey, come to farmer boys. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I like the name doesn't make me think fast food yeah. or burgers or anything like that. But I got to say, man, it was an excellent spot. Keith has taken me to two spots while I'm here. Both excellent, both local to this area specifically. And uh, Farmer Boy, boys, if you're ever in this area or the Inland Empire, definitely get it. Uh, I re recommend the Farmer Burger. It was like a, it's a double, double meat patty, uh, bacon and avocado. And it's just like, wow, like that was hard to beat. I got chili fries, like I added chili fries to it. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. Uh, what was the pizza spot we got? Yeah, today? Pizza Nora which is not very far from me. So that's in Eastvale, California. Just a local pizza joint, but really good pizza. Again, I dig it. It's not like any particular, like it's not like East Coast pizza. It's almost like a floppier version of a better version of like your Pizza Hut type thing. You know, it's not quite deep dish. It's not quite big foldable New York slices. It's not a rigid thing. Like you can't hold it up with just the crust and a thumb. It'll it'll sag. I would say the the density, the thickness of the pizza, uh, would be equivalent to like a more of like a Papa John's. Yeah. So a way better Papa John's. So yeah, just doing the fasting throughout the day and then just building up to these two amazing meals. And I don't think it was my lack of food and the starvation that made me think it was so delicious. Like it was just genuinely delicious food so yeah uh, if you're ever in these spots go check those places out yeah man that's good stuff um hey i bought some comics you know that at the show uh no no but i you've gotten a little bit of a play-by-play -play on these number one now that i have the whole run in transit uh, a couple episodes ago scott had mentioned for sandman just just clear the run now, I have no intention of clearing the Sandman run. It is 75 issues, and basically every issue under 20, you get pretty big price tags on it. You know, you're not going to oh, find okay. an issue under number 20 for under 10, 15 bucks. And, and that's only a few. Most of them are in the 20 plus range because it's a first appearance of something. But as I mentioned before, I think my, one of my favorite story arcs of all time is Sandman Seasons of Mists. And uh, not to give away too much, but. It involves the Dream King going to hell to basically go back there and, and rescue this person from hell that he had cast there, only to find that Lucifer does not want hell anymore. Lucifer is in the process of emptying hell, kicking everyone out, and locking hell, and then he gives the Dream King the key. He says, oh. "Who? I, you know, he said, I told you once that I would destroy you, and you know what? This might do it. 
and then he leaves. And, and interestingly, that's kind of the origin of the Lucifer that's made its way to like network television. I think there's a Lucifer series out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, this is where it comes from. This is where oh, it comes interesting. From. Yeah, okay, I mean, I this is this is this Lucifer, the DC Comics Lucifer. Anyway, one of my favorite story arcs of all time. Up until a week ago, I had been missing 23 and 24, I think. 22 was a tough one to get because it has a key first appearance. 23 and 24 were just sort of there. So, to take Scott's advice, I cleaned the run. And now they're all either here or will be here. Nice. Um, I don't think I'm going to go too much harder in Sandman. Because, again, the only thing that's left are the expensive ones or the super cheap ones that are way at the end of the story. And, oh, okay. Yeah, so I can just find those whenever. But then also, um, in the process of, isn't this how it works? You get gifts for other people and you get stuff for yourself. So I have got myself some graphic novels and things like that. And uh, I will be sharing them, I guess, over the course of the next four to six months. Because Scott can attest, you know, to his left here is the, the tree I have for myself that whenever I get gifts or just buy a book or something, um, generally I sort of will forget about it. And then it shows up in a box and I'm like, well, I'll open that on Christmas and it'll be a gift to myself. Yeah, I, and I've adopted this because I have, I want to say I have at least 10 packages at home. I don't know what these are. And then, I, and then she was just like, well, you keep buying stuff. I'm like, I, like Danielle and my girlfriend, she's like, you keep buying things. I'm like, I literally haven't bought anything in three weeks. I was like, I have no clue what these are. Yeah. More than likely, they are all um, uh, Kickstarter books yeah. that, that I paid for a long time ago. And then they finally decided to show up. Because I have no clue. I was like, I, I legitimately haven't bought anything. So yeah. I was really confused when four packages showed up in one day. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Just crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, it's, it's fun. I got these things under my tree and not counting the things which we talked about at the year end two-parter where I've actually boxed up some of my books on my shelf and I'll just open those randomly. But there's some more goodies here that, uh, that I'll be getting to, you know, within a week or so, I guess. So we'll see how it goes. I'm wiped. You're I'm, wiped. I'm exhausted. Yeah. You're beat. Like yeah. that's another thing. That's another thing when you do convention is you're on. You know, like, like if you guys don't know this, when you do conventions, you, and when I say you're on, it means you're doing your very best to be the best version of yourself, to have a good time. Cause you are having a good time. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you're putting on, maybe you're not, maybe you, you legitimately are, but you're, you're engaging with the people, you're talking to them, you're pitching your story like it's the first time you've ever pitched it. And you have to do it with sincerity. And when you do that, like 30 times in a row, you know, over the weekend, 40 times, 50 times, how many ever times you pitch your story, you will be wiped out. And that is us right now. The irony is sometimes if you're standing around not doing much, it still drains you because you're, you're engaged with the environment. Yeah. With that, man, uh, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me resting on, on my couch, passed out. And then <laughs> after that, you can find me on social media at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, -T -T, and uh, Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can find me at Kadoja Kaiju, that's all one word, on Instagram. And you can also find me at Keith underscore Invader on Instagram. I changed my name, and that is what I'm going to talk about next week. Nice. Keith Invader, because there is a reason for that name, and we'll get to it next week. And you can find my books at accidentalaliens.com. Second, second shift to tell minimum wage workers. <laughs> 
Second shift, a tale of minimum wage workers during the day and superheroes at night. Wanders of Melisanda, anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans, along with a bunch of other titles like the Accidental Aliens Anthologies, 2018, 19, and uh, Tales from the Mothership. Those are all available at accidentalaliens.com. Yeah, and for me, keithrfoster.com is my website. There are some posts. There, of course, is information on Kadoja, and there is a web store there, keithrfoster.com. Kadoja is giant monsters meet H.P. Lovecraft. Cosmic horror. And if you thought this episode was interesting, if you think we sound like shit, you let us know at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, Ed, Ed sent me a note saying you can rate people on Spotify, and he did. Oh, right on. I can't find it. I couldn't find it. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, let me check this out for myself. I couldn't find it, so... I wonder if it's like on the computer only maybe 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 but apparently you can rate us on spotify so whether you're on spotify or on apple Podcasts, we encourage you to throw your boys five stars with some great description there as well it's always helpful and again we can it, it is amazing how one review tweaks the algorithm and we see it in our numbers in terms of the people that are actually trying out the podcast and so to people that are that are uh, a little newer Welcome, and of course, to our longtime listeners, thank you. See you next week. Yay, yay.